welcome to our Dental Business Transaction podcast. I have great pleasure today in welcoming Eddie Crouch, a regular of ours. Um, I watched the BBC documentary last week, The Dental Deserts, and I thought, who are you going to call? Eddie. <laughs> welcome, Eddie. Well, thank you. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to have a chat with you, Abby. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. It's 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 very rare that I can switch on the uh, the beep now and not find you looking back at me. Um, and even in the documentary last week, I think you made a, a very valuable appearance. So, before we get onto all of that stuff, do you tend to do you tend to record at home for the news, or do they get you into the studio? Well, I mean, I've, I've had a, a, obviously during the pandemic, everything was done over a. a, a a laptop like this um but um more recently i've i've had the opportunity of going places and actually being filmed in studios or on in dental practices um so that that it's been a mix really but uh i mean recently i've i've been on the couch uh, with uh, a friend from love island jack fincham um so uh, the, uh, really nice chap uh, and actually was listening quite a lot to some of the concerns i had about him going and people like that going off to Turkey and having their teeth, uh, you know, severely damaged for for cosmetic reasons. So yeah, it's, it's it's been quite a mix recently. No, it's good to get the message out there to the you know the people, the influencers um, of today. Um, do they get you in the hair and makeup room then? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, my time in the in the makeup was far less than Jack Fincham. He he knew exactly what he wanted, and he was in there for much longer than me. Well, you're looking gorgeous today. Um, but the reason we wanted to get you uh, to chat to us today is I am always speaking to dental principals about the state of NHS dentistry, what that means for profit, what it means for when they want to come to sell their practice and for buyers wanting to buy them. But to see um, the, the patients speaking on that documentary that nine, over 90% of patients um, that, that practices across the UK aren't taking on. Um, NHS patients and the impact on their health was shocking. I think it first started hitting me. I mean, we've we've heard about DIY dentistry even before the pandemic, but it was isolated cases. Um, but I started getting lots of contact on social media from patients, you know, desperate, desperate to get urgent care during the pandemic. And obviously it was really bad at the start when they were just getting um, assessments and, and, and referrals to urgent dental care centres, which were struggling. Um, but the fact that here we are now really, I suppose, coming out of the pandemic, pandemic and you know one one in ten are only being successful finding a a, a dent, an nhs dentist to actually take them on really means that this is a, a considerable problem i mean i i went to bury st edmunds uh, and walked around the streets of bury st edmunds with the toothless campaigners um but i thought you know th that things would improve but it's getting worse um and, you know, the number of people that are having to resort to DIY dentistry in a civilised country and the numbers of people who are relying on, on a van operated by Dentaid to actually provide them emergency care around the country, you know, it's just hard to comprehend that politicians and, and the NHS would not be embarrassed by all of that. And it's out there now, isn't it? Well, I, I, you know, I can't ever remember uh, dentistry leading 
um, the Today programme uh, at eight o'clock uh, and, and covering it so extensively that it was the, f- f- you know, the front story on BBC News and, you know, BBC Breakfast. It was everywhere. I mean, the, B- the BBC actually invested a, a lot of money in that uh, project. Um, they employed an agency to actually phone almost every single practice in the whole of the UK. Uh, so they were taking this project extremely seriously and we were hopeful that they would give it the airtime that it deserved and they have. No, it was really, really good to see and I work in dentistry and I hadn't seen that raw, hard end, you know, the consequences. What are going to be the consequences for people for, for people and their health? Well, uh, I mean, people have been making sort of... Uh, decisions about their oral health uh, and, 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 and the impending sort of crisis of, uh, of, of income, really. Um, you know, when, when people are having to choose between actually saving a tooth or having the tooth extracted at a much cheaper price, that's been a problem for a while. Uh, but it's going to get far, far worse once people really haven't got any disposable income to actually spend on dental care. Um, you know, it, it, it is a real, real worry that the health inequalities, uh, especially with re- related to oral health, and people will stop going uh, because it's expensive to go. And things will be then picked up much later, be more extensive. Oral cancers will, will be not detected so early. You know, the, the, the overall effect on the NHS will be massive of, of this real problem that we've got with insufficient numbers of the profession willing to actually stay in a system that's completely collapsing. And I just hope that what happened on the BBC that day really has an influence on the politicians to actually get their finger out and sort this out. I think the awareness is definitely out there now. But, you know, surely with that out aired um, on the BBC, what are the government... Are they going to do anything about it? What's their reaction been? Yeah, well, I mean, we're in a strange position at the moment. We're in limbo, really, with people who are in post. And we're not sure, obviously, once a new Conservative leader and and Prime Minister is um, in post, that these people will be there for the long term. So currently, we've got James Morris, um, who's taken over from Maria Caulfield as the Minister responsible for dentistry. Um, We wrote to him when he was appointed and... Remarkably, uh, he's responded really quickly and has offered us a meeting fairly soon. Um, you know, we've, we've had so many uh, people come into dentistry as a minister and not stay the course for proper reform that we really need consistency. So if we can help James Morris actually become quite useful and, and so that he can stay in post once the new prime minister is, is, is there. That that will be good, I think, that we get someone uh, that we can talk to uh, and we can influence and we can actually get things done. Um, you know, we've we've had two or three ministers in, in my time, even just on the uh, as chair of the PEC. And, um, you know, that, that inconsistency of talking and getting action. And if if. If the minister wasn't affected by that news story in the way that so many other people were, 
I, you know, I was I was going down the shops and people were bumping into me, and I was hearing people talking about the story on the news. Uh, you know, what did you see the story about dentistry this morning? You know, it really, really made an impact. Uh, and I think at long last, the public now realise that it's not greedy dentists that are causing the problem. It's the uh, the contract and the funding, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you know, these marginal tweaks that we've had, um, or we haven't had yet, but have been indicated that they hope will come into place later in the year, um, possibly October. Um, they're going to make a small difference. They're going to make a difference to some practices in enabling them to actually achieve their targets. Um but it, it comes with no additional funding. And when you were only funding for half the population to actually be seen by an NHS dentist, it, it's inevitable. What do you think the factors are? Because obviously some of these forces were at play uh, pre-pandemic, uh, but you know the impact and the consequences are, are just huge at the moment. I think the pandemic actually... Um, showed to the dental profession actually what a a slowing down of the treadmill uh, actually did for their lifestyle and what what it also did for the quality of care that they could provide for their patients it was it was a, a unique window of opportunity to actually see and I, I, I know how awful it was working in the high levels of ppe but you, you, you had the time to have a proper conversation with your patients. You had the proper time to actually do proper clinical records for the patient and, and have a, 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 an informed debate about treatment planning and actually carry out treatment under slightly less pressure uh, to actually deliver. I know that changed as the thresholds and the targets changed. Um, but I, I sense that a lot of dentists during that period of time reevaluated. And, you know, let, let's be honest, most people have got fed up waiting for any reform. We've had years and years and years of tinkering around with piloting and prototyping. Um, and there is a worry, I think, that uh, these marginal changes that have been introduced in the last few weeks um, are, are an attempt probably to, to get dentistry out of the headlines and kick the can down the road on serious contract reform. I know that worries Sean Charwood, chair of the General Dental Practice Committee, and every interview I saw of Sean during that period of time, he put across the emphasis of how urgent contract reform is. Uh, but contract reform with no more money means we have to have an honest debate about what the NHS actually want to buy from NHS dental practice. We're taking calls all the time where dentists are thinking about, do they you know, move to solely private or uh, increase their private? But do you have a sense or any data on how many dentists have left the NHS? Well, the, the only significant data is the, is the performer list data. And what we know from that is that... Um, Probably somewhere between two and three thousand dentists have come off the performers list in the last two years, which is, you know, significant. But underlying that and under that as well are a lot of dentists that are still on the performers list but aren't actually providing any NHS care at all. The cleansing of that list is not really that thorough. And also, uh, we've got a lot of dentists that are significantly reducing their commitment. So they might have worked four days on the NHS, um, but now they're only doing maybe a day and a half or two days. 
Uh, and so what that list doesn't actually give is a whole time equivalent number of dentists that are actually working in the NHS. So, you know, three, two to 3,000 is terrible. It's a real headline figure, but it's much, much worse than that. Much worse than that. I mean, what, what, what are you seeing, Abby, about the, the, the market really with predominantly NHS dental practices? Going into a market of sale, my, my information indicates that I think that the buyers are becoming more selective on what they want to buy and practices that are heavily committed to the NHS, I'm hearing are having to reduce prices to sell or not being attractive to corporate buyers. I don't know. Is, is, is that the situation? There's certainly been some changes. Um, buyers are looking at NHS propositions to buy, but they're much more focused on how, as you said in the documentary, how they can build the private opportunities in the business. So that's either with the existing patient base, the right demographics, or potential to convert that list at some point in the future. So they're definitely looking about what they can add in private. And the corporate operators are now seeking practices where they are much uh, smaller proportion NHS because they do see in some cases that the NHS can be a drag on profits and without that big private provision, then you know they could be making, it's just not financially viable. So there's much more push for corporates to increase their private provision um, and you know reduce their ratio of NHS provision. Um, and talking to owners, you know, they've seen the benefits of opening up their book privately and using their chair space for private work, working at the pace they want to do, you work at, and then seeing some of the, you know, the rewards on that in terms of remuneration or at least fair remuneration, because we know that effectively dentists have been taking pay cuts um, as the years go by because um, of the DDRB uplifts haven't really kept up. Um, so they've seen the, you know, the benefits of offering private treatment. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, know, you know, DDRB has just recently reported again, and you know, f the, the the uplift that's been offered is just insignificant to actually deal with the inflationary pressure that was there, and and nowhere near the uh, the award that would be necessary to actually try and reestablish, uh, you know dentist pay into a level that it was, you know, before the, the, the financial crisis previously. Um, and and we've, we've, we've done some work. We're doing some modelling at the BDA about, you know, the, the dental inflation element. We're going to try and argue with uh, government about making a significant uh, award not only for pay but actually for the running cost of a dental practice i really don't hold much hope out of that but if we can lay the figures starkly in front of them they can see the problems that they need to deal with um the other thing that we've been doing is is surveying members about what their intentions are uh and you know how militant they actually feel at the moment about things. I know lots of other unions at the moment are, you know, taking forms of industrial action. We know that's not easy with dentistry. Um, but it's remarkable the number of dentists who are filling in our survey that are now prepared to actually do something. We all know that dentists are doing things, um, you know, leaving the NHS in significant numbers or, or reducing their NHS commitment, which is a form of industrial type of action, to be honest. Um, but the point you're making about dentists 
actually choosing to um, provide private care rather than the NHS. I mean, you can see in the marginal tweaks that that is in the eyesight of NHS England because the the ability to actually claw back money in year is definitely within those proposals. And if dentists haven't hit 30% by mid-year, there's going to be you know mid-year reviews, which many dental practices have not had for a long time. Um, uh, and and breach you know breach notices over that, and it will they will induce uh, practices to hand the money back rather than the receiver a, a breach notice in year, in the belief that they will then be able to spend that in other practices in the locality. My feeling is that that won't be the case because many other practices in the area either don't want that money or aren't prepared to actually take on additional activity. When will we be seeing that in sort of January time? I think the hope the hope is that they will actually introduce some of these marginal changes from the 1st of October. It will need some slight tweaks to the legislation, uh, which I'm sure they'll get on with when they get back to Parliament in September. Um, but certainly the indications we're getting from NHS England is they're hoping for this to come out in October. What um, I've seen a lot of our dental providers doing, sitting down with their calculators, you know, working out the time by the chair, um, what they'll get coming in from converting that list to a plan um, and doing, you know, they're doing the numbers <laughs> and seeing if it's worth it. Well, I, I wouldn't blame yeah. them, you know. Um, you know, if, if if you're not doing that, then I think um, you're really sort of putting blinkers on on the future of your business. Um, because, you know, if, if you are committed to the NHS in the current way that we are, um, or, or, or the arrangements that we're working with at the moment, if we don't see significant changes, I can see huge numbers of dental practices closing because they haven't you know, done something to plan ahead to actually secure the level of business for that for that practice. Uh, that is a real worry to me. Mm, of course, you know, that planning ahead historically hasn't always been everyone's strengths. But I think coming out of the pandemic, having to sort of look at your costs and your management information and plan for the future, uh, there's much more of that going on now, which is positive, you know, to keep these practices open and keeping their doors open. I, I heard of a colleague recently who... Um, Suddenly, his nurse uh, has got some serious I uh, illness and he's had to get a locum uh, nurse in. He, he managed to secure a locum nurse, which is remarkable in itself. But he got a locum nurse into the practice and uh, the rate she was being paid was far more than the other members of staff in the practice. You know, he was desperate. He needed to pay a rate that was obviously going to give him a pair of hands to help him continue working. Um but when all the other staff actually found out what this person was actually earning on the agency, a few of them handed their notice in and joined the agency. You know, we are working in a situation where um, staffing across the whole of a dental practice is is really understressed. You know, everyone everyone will have increased bills going through the winter, and many people are reevaluating. Their, their work in a job where they're not being properly paid for exactly. it. Exactly. I mean, you're in business to, you know, for primarily maybe it's the love of the profession, you know, the health and care of your patients. But running a business, you need to pay yourself fairly and you need to, you need to make a profit to pay everybody else. 
you know that that that, that and keeping people in work and um, and we all know that the costs of delivery are going up um and you know the nhs funding and margins probably isn't going to pay for that so uh you know so people are forced into you making sure that the business um they plan for for what for what's coming yeah, I mean, I, I know, um, you know, I, I, I know dental laboratories, for example, are focusing their business on high end stuff as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, deliberately, well, not deliberately, but I mean, they, they suffered badly, badly during the pandemic. And I'm very sorry for dental laboratories in how they suffered. They didn't get much support at all. Um, but you see now that many dental laboratories are not prepared to do high level or high end, uh, sorry, high turnover uh, pieces of work like the NHS pieces of work for small profits. And, and, and so they're increasing their charges to dental practices on what they do for the skilled work that they do appropriately. But that makes, again, the, the running costs of a dental practice incredibly hard if you can't find a laboratory to actually deliver services at a price that the NHS is prepared to pay. It's a massive domino effect, isn't it? Um, and dental practices are businesses. But I'm just sitting here thinking about, you know, the, the staffing crisis and what impact that's having on NHS dentistry, the the people that can't get access. I mean, how, how do we, what do you think the solution is? I think the politicians either have to put up uh, additional resources or they have to have a discussion with the profession about what their budget that they're prepared to allocate to uh, NHS dental services can deliver. Uh, And many people talk about a core service. Um, We're we're probably getting that by stealth. Um, But, you know, are are we going to concentrate the budget on people who are on benefit or entitled to free treatment? You know, are we going to, uh, you know, try and focus it on children uh, and, and make sure that they're dentally healthy uh, so that, you know, the, the long-term success of prevention can actually be established? You know, we, we have to have these conversations if there is no more money. Do you think that will be high on the agenda of Liz or Rishi? I hope so. I hope so. Um, it, it's interesting, you know, I, I wrote a letter with um, Sir Robert Francis to the Chancellor um, in November asking for more resources for NHS dentistry. I didn't get a reply to that letter. We got the, uh, the that small amount of money uh, from January to March, uh, which wasn't spent, you know, the the 50 million that was well trumpeted about being additional resources. Um, you know, probably about two, you know, about 40% of that was maybe spent. Um, but it was the wrong money at the wrong time. Um, I, I, you know, I, it's frustrating, incredibly frustrating that the argument has been put as succinctly as it has by many, many of my colleagues who have gone on the media and explained to patients exactly what the problems are. Uh, and even patient groups now understand what that problem is. Health Watch understand what that problem is. Um, but no one is prepared to actually pull their finger out. Let's hope there is that last chance before the tipping point is actually, you know, completely the wrong side of, of a collapse of NHS provision. 
I think we should pick this up um, once we've seen some of those marginal changes implemented uh, later in the year and start to see how, how providers are doing on their NHS contracts and you know what the, what the consequences are going to be. Uh, interesting times, Eddie. Interesting times. Yeah, I look forward to talking to you about that once um, once some of that is implemented and we see what a new prime minister might do with uh, with dentistry. But uh, lovely to talk to you. No, really good to talk to you, Eddie. And um, yeah, take care and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening to our Dental Business Transaction podcast. I hope you found it informative. Remember, they are available through our website, lilyhead.co.uk, or you can listen via Spotify, Apple or Podbean, and video versions are on our YouTube channel. If you want to talk to us about buying, selling or financing a dental practice, please do get in touch via dentalbrokers at lilyhead.co.uk. So until next time, bye for now. Thank you.